0: Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to put an end to them. These are the first two of the four great vows, the great Bodhisattva vows. In Sino-Japanese, it's shujo muhen se gando. Bono mujin se gandan. What is saving? Or liberating? Sometimes it's translating that. Saving from what? Liberating from what? These vows in some Zen centers, they're done every day, many times a day. Some of you are familiar with it because it's also in, we included in our Jukai ceremony, in our tokudo ceremony. But otherwise, we have substituted for the four great vows, the four practice principles. Joko wanted to do that because she felt that that was a, way to make it more immediate and practice connected. But it's in some ways very much the same. Saving from what, liberating from what is from suffering and delusions, which is in the practice principles, caught in self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thought, exactly the dream. This is what, we can do as our practice, so to speak, for ourself on our own, but how can we make this vow to save others, liberate others, and yet, this saving, liberating, is the first great vow. Beings are numberless. Over and over, we make this vow, and yet, what is this? Saving or liberating is not making others be the way I want them to, the way I like, the way I think is correct or best, best for them, best in any other way, the way it's right or acting in a way that I believe is good for them. It's not fixing others. Furthermore, this is important. We don't vowed to liberate, save only those we like, those we believe are good or deserving. In fact, you could say just the opposite. Those, quote, not good, not deserving, are equally, and especially for us in our vowing, important. Numberless means numberless, without end, never-ending vow, we may say, And it may seem from a small, self-centered perspective that there are some people who seem to be or are more caught up and entangled in self-centeredness. And they're too hard to say, or it's impossible to say them, or I don't. But nevertheless, we must address all. That's what the vow is. Beings are numberless. Numberless means not just all, but it's going to be never-ending. And yet we make this vow. If we don't see it in that way, if it's about what we want and what we judge should and shouldn't, A vow and action is only perpetuating self-entanglement, hatred and judgments, beliefs about who's better and who's worse, and our own, I'll almost say, nonsense ideas. Numberless includes those beings with all varieties of past behaviors, all varieties of present way of manifesting, Numberless is myriad beings in many realms and many forms and ways of perceiving and being in the universe. Myriad needs and, for us, myriad appropriate actions to save in order to fulfill this vow. All beings we must seek. And be able to call by their true name, by the true name. Beings are numberless. Delusions are inexhaustible. In a way, this numberless beings, numberless realms, that's something we can explore and clarify another time. In fact, I will, but not now, because it takes us in a different direction. And I want to go this morning. See, so it's really this vow to appreciate it. We need to appreciate and even emulate the model of the Tathagata Buddha when he encountered Angulamala. I've talked about this before, but I'll say a little now just to recapitulate. Angulamala in conventional terms, can be described as a brutal murderer. He would waylay people on the roads, attack them in their villages, kill people. And he did this because, in part, he would chop off fingers of those he attacked, those he killed, and even those he didn't kill, in order to make a necklace that he wore around his neck. You could think this is very strange, but this is the way it was. And he wanted to and attempted to kill the Buddha and make the Buddha's finger the last finger of the necklace. Some places it said he wanted a hundred fingers. Some places it said he wanted a thousand fingers. It doesn't make a difference. And we could say that Buddha saved Angola but. That would add intention and ideas that Angulimala or anyone else needs saving. You need to be careful about what we say there. It isn't that the Buddha went looking for Angulimala, though he did walk where he was warned that Angulimala was lurking in the forests. And yet. Anggolamala's initial actions towards Buddha attempting to waylay him and kill him, indicated a need, and the Buddha responded to this, and there was an encounter and dialogue with the Buddha. I've spoken about this many times, so I won't go into the details of what the Buddha and Angolamala's dialogue was. But after this, Angulimala repented his past, and he asked, "Could I even become a disciple of yours?" And the Buddha said, "Yes, yes. Even though you have this past," and Angulimala became a bhikkhu with the Buddha, and as various events that occurred that are discussed in the sutras. In fact, there's a sutra called Angulamala Sutra. And he's said to have become a very accomplished disciple and an arhat, that means a fully accomplished disciple of the Buddha. Now, we need to know this wasn't just a one-time situation. Buddha had many disciples, lay and ordained, who came from many backgrounds and behaviors, and some of them had quite vicious backgrounds, quite violent pasts, very much like Angulamala, which means many karmic tendencies and pasts. And nevertheless, beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Make of it what you wish. Even in the Jataka tales and other places in the sutras, Shakyamuni Buddha speaks of past lives and many forms of beings that he or she in some of the, took as a bodhisattva in which make efforts in different forms to serve, and save many beings. And yet, what is it? What is I vowed to save, liberate? What's that in an immediate sense? The Buddha states in the sutras, hatred is never appeased by hatred in this world. By non-hatred alone is hatred appeased. This is the law eternal. Some places it's translated as by love alone. But more literal is non-hatred. Non-hatred in a sense you could say is broader than love. It can encompass not just love and compassion, but also peacefulness, mindfulness, presence. Patience, intimacy, calmness, the non-hateful qualities that promote inner peace. So this hatred is not appeased, is not dealt with by hatred, and yet we see this arising. So what is saving others? putting an end to delusions, even others who we have all sorts of self-centered judgments and ideas about. How do we nurture and support non-hatred in a way? This is zazen. This is zazening in the various forms of our life and non-dual presence of ongoing practice. But I want to talk about a little bit of suggestion that I made in the earlier talk about bowing. Bowing as a way to nurture our ability to be this saving all beings. But not in some general all beings, but specific beings and beings who manifest in specific ways that we have difficulty with, that we react to. This is a practice that's useful for all of us when it arises. So. I suggest that when there's time in the day, maybe after you do your morning zazen or daily zazen as that occurs, to do some bows. One bow, three bows, 18 bows. It could be just plain sitting bows, standing bows, full bows. And when you do these bows, if it's inappropriate, reflect upon one person with whom, to whom you wish to extend compassionate warmth, and just imagine them being there. You're not bowing to them, but with them, you're just doing bows. Then you might expand this, pick two people. Pick one person who you feel so-called good about and one person who you have a hard time with. It might be you have two siblings, one whom you're close to and one whom you have difficulty with. Imagine the two of them there with you and together bow once, three times, 18 times, whatever. Then maybe imagine, you know, others, maybe children, spouse, relatives, friends, so-called enemies, neighbors, but you can, it's nice sometimes to pick one you like and one you so-called don't like, even hate. Um... Pick those who are near, those who are far. You might even pick people who you personally know or don't know. You could even pick public figures. And I know for some of you, we've talked about how you can do this if you are particularly reactive to political figures. Someone we, I talked to about having one person be Biden and the other person be Trump, and then just you and them bowing together. Because after all, beings are numberless, includes Biden, Trump, no matter what you think of them, could be other people. You could pick someone who you admire greatly. Let's say I'll pick the Dalai Lama, and it might be someone who you feel repulsed by could be someone who you feel is very hateful. I might pick Louis Farrakhan or Ayatollah Khomeini, whose this uh, vitriolic anti Semitism I notice myself reacting to when that comes up. And I could bow with them. These are all beings whom we must call by their true name, who call out to us to call to them by their true name, not our story about them. This is beings are numberless. I save us all together. I'm not saving them because I'm better, but all together. Our practice of non-dual presence is all together. Being this true name, being who we truly are. This is what the Buddha encourages us. Taking care of hatred by being non-hatred, by being loving. Thank you.